Good afternoon, everybody. We are live, or at least uh, I would hope so at this point, for the Zozo Championship, the PGA DFS First Look Show. I'm the host for Jason Roslin, and I am joined each and every week with Jeff Ulrich. And Jeff, what's happening, man? We were just talking really briefly before we got on. We've got Xander Schauffele just flying up the odds boards, man. I mean, what's going on? He's now lower than both Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas to win the golf tournament. Salaries haven't quite come out for the Zozo, but... How was your week, man? I had another bridesmaid. I can't believe it that Jason Kolkrak and Martin Laird are in between me and Matt Wolf and Xander Schauffele tickets. Yeah. But that's the world we're living in right now. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I, I added Russell Hanley like for for just for an outright betting. Um, like uh, basically, I think it was in the first round. Actually, I had a little bit on him pre-event just because I, I see that on Twitter. Yeah, because I always splurge a little bit on Russ when he's long. Always... I just can't resist that. And look, T to Green. I mean, he's just great grading out so well right now. So when I saw him start well, I bumped it up to like a full unit kind of bet. I don't know, man. I it's I don't want to say I wasn't expecting him to close because I think I actually kind of half was this time with a three shot lead. But like, what are you gonna do when Jason Callcrack? Gains four strokes putting every round of like, like, you know, the last three rounds. It's insane. So uh, shout out to him, man. I mean, like he's been on the verge before. So, I mean, he deserved to win, I guess. But like you said, it's frustrating. Um, you know, obviously you're on Shoffley. And the more I look at it, I, I'm kind of mad that I went with Rory over Shoffley last week. Because I, I feel like Shoffley, if you really look at the form, was probably closer. But yeah, that, that's got to hurt too. I mean, like um, I was a little bit surprised when he dropped back in the third round. But yeah, it, it's done. That's you're right. It's like two or three weeks in a row here, man. We're getting, we're getting bit by guys, you know, just coming out of nowhere, the woodwork and just lighting it up with their putters. But that, that happens, man. That, that's the thing. You know, I feel like we went through a stretch with golf betting and I proffer off this too, where, you know, the guys, the, the mid-tier guys, we all kind of expected to win. They closed it out, but you're getting a good taste of the variance in golf betting. Cause uh, this will happen, man, where you just, guys will just show up and they'll just have the week of their life with their putter and that kind of out of nowhere. So it is what it is. It, uh, it's starting to get frustrating for me too, but. <laughs> yeah, here's here's one thing that I'll say, and, and, and maybe a, a tad bit of an oversight uh, by my part, or maybe not a, as deep of a digging as I should have been, or, or maybe this is just golf variants playing through. But Jason Kokrak, you know, I have here on our first topic, Jason Kokrak and MGM. Okay, we knew he was a sponsor of MGM. We knew he was an ambassador. But where I didn't connect the dots was that he loves going to Vegas and that he's their ambassador. So anytime they have any big profile clients, he's the one playing with them at Shadow Creek. So, you know, should I say course history matters? Well, there's never been a golf tournament here, but in terms of who had seen the golf course the most, Jason Kokrak by far in the field had seen Shadow Creek the most out of any pro. And look, he's sitting atop the title now, you know, 1.6 million or whatever it was uh, richer. And certainly he'll take that right to the blackjack tables or a portion of it. <laughs> But, I mean, that type of information is certainly, I think, maybe it's not quantifiable, but it's certainly qualifiable. Yeah, absolutely. It is qualifiable. Exactly. I mean, it's it's, it's just interesting, too. You saw this week, I mean, it seemed like players had trouble figuring out these greens a bit. And the players who did, like Hanley, Shoffley, and Kokrak, those are the guys who really made it. Like, I don't think, I know distance was kind of big here, but with the par fives, it didn't even actually seem to matter that that as much as I thought it would. So it did kind of come down to who just figured out these greens the most. And it was Kokrak, man. I mean, Henley was up there too and, and Shoffley, but those guys had really good weeks around the green. So I definitely think that played a part in it. Uh, he definitely obviously had more course history than I think a lot of people in the field. So interesting note. I, I, I saw that and yeah, I kind of put two to two here together too late as well, but you know, um, just, uh, just an interesting tidbit. Like you said, it was a, a different course, uh, first time there and everything. So I think those things matter, especially when it's a, uh, you know, first time thing. Yeah. And, and we're going to go to Sherwood country club this week. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show, but uh, maybe a similar type feel that the, the tour was there or kind of there from 2013, all the way back to like 2004 or three. So there are some guys that have played there quite a bit. We'll, we'll get into yep. that later in the show. Let's talk about Xander for a second though. He's had six runner ups and, now, there will be some that have said he won the tour championship. If you ask Xander if he won the tour championship, I bet he'd say no. He didn't walk away with the $10 million, uh, and the title. So while the OWGR gave him first finishing points, it right. has been six straight runner-ups, Jeff. It, is this a trend or is this literally just golf variants, which we just talked about? Yeah, I think it's mostly that. I mean, 
it's a little surprising that like you know you, you expect i mean it's kind of like wolf last week though you expect Shoffley to come out on top of like a Kokrak Shoffley battle most most of the time, right? So, but it, it you know when Jason Kokrak is putting that well, I mean you, you know shout out to him like he went and won it. It's not like Shoffley played that bad, although he he didn't really put a ton of pressure on him with his play the last few holes there. So, um, I, I mean look he's this he's up to number seven in the world. I mean he's coming so close. He's performing so well in a lot of these big events. I, I tend not to like overemphasize guys not getting wins when they when they probably should have got one, but it's it's probably just more a little bit of fr- frustration on his part. I mean, I, I think at the same time, you've got to think this, you know, him coming in here and just grabbing like a second place off the U.S. Open, it's got to at least get him some confidence going into Augusta. I mean, um, I think he's kind of also a player like he does have four wins. It's not like we're talking about a player who's like got one. Who's win never gotten it done, right? Yeah, so. I think I think if anything, this stretch is probably providing him a lot of confidence. I think that he's probably at a point where I don't want to say he doesn't care about the CJ Cup, but like he's probably I think when he sits down, this is just gonna be like a good stepping stone for him to finally get through in a major. Maybe that happens this year, I don't know, but uh it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I think the one thing that tends to get Xander in trouble, at least in my opinion, and I think it lost him the tournament on fifteen. I'm sorry, on 16 and 18, to go one over on those two par fives is terrible. And they're both set up by bad drives. And not drives to the right. Kind of his miss with the driver is long left. And that's kind of been the problem for him. His short game, as far as elite golfers, top 10 in the world, he probably has the best short game among them. I'm not sure he has the best short game in the world. But among the top 10 golfers in the world, I think he does, or very close to it. It is the driver... Whereas if he had McElroy's driving ability, he wins that tournament by four or five, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of interesting. The rest of his game, um, you know, he used to be known just kind of for his like straight longer driving, but the rest of his game has really like come into focus, which is why it's so interesting the stretch he's going through because you expect, oh, maybe there's be like a dip with his putting or short game, but that's like remains so strong. So um, it almost feels like, you know, he's, he's taken a step back from, the ball strike, maybe just to focus on that part of his game. And, and maybe once the, the rest of that comes around and gets a little bit sharper, but definitely like the fact he's training well in those areas for Augusta. I think that uh, that's something that's really going to help him on the scoring holes there. So like you said, um, he needs to maybe just need a little bit more open venue. I don't know, you know, to, to help with the misses. Cause there were a couple holes there on shadow Creek where, you know, you, like you said, you hit it offline in some of those par fives. You didn't really have an angle into the hole or anything. So I think it cost him on a lot of those holes this week. You're right. Uh, shows up in the stats that way too. So uh, interesting to to watch, I guess, for for Xander going forward. If uh, if he takes a, a you know, big drop off with the driver or anything, I don't think it's hugely worrisome right now. But um, definitely interesting the way his game is trended this year because, like I said, the round the green putting way better now. It is. It is, and, it, and, and we saw it a couple chip ins last week. And um, I'm not necessarily worried about uh, the driving. I think uh, I think it just may hold him back uh, from his ultimate potential, which uh, I think we've definitely seen it. I mean, a couple of runner-ups in a row and uh, at least three top fives in a row. So pretty good, pretty good golf. Uh, so I just want to tell you guys, you mentioned a couple of times that Augusta is coming up and we're actually less than 30 days away. We're under four tournaments. So if you're not already an Osmo Plus member on the PGA side, it is really a good time to join. We've got this tournament of Bermuda, where we're going to need a ton of research there as the field size is going to be similar to what we saw at Corrales a few weeks ago. And then the Houston Open and then the Masters. So really good stuff going on. Join us for the month, $29.95 for the month. And if you want to just try us out for the week, just $8.95. So stop guessing, start winning, and join Osmo Plus today. And with that, I can tell you just a, a quick little tidbit. I was telling Jordan, our producer behind the – Behind the scenes here, you just plugged in our projections last week and throw them into Fantasy Cruncher. Number 69 was the nuts. It would have won the $5 last week. Projections were high on Neiman, Kokrak, and Russ Henley. So anytime that happens, you get three guys under 7,500 that the projections were high on. It's certainly set up for a really good week. So check us out. Just eight ninety five for the week. Really good. Just to build on that, I mean, they definitely were high on Neiman. Neiman was like a big play for us last week. It was the top kind of value under DK, under AK. I know I wrote them up. There's a free article every week. If you want to get a taste of the projections, the approach, it's free. Check that out on Wednesdays, guys. Uh, you know, if you're thinking of obviously buying the projection stuff, give you a little taste at least. So 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So, okay, let's uh, just go quickly around the world for last week's roundup, and then we'll get into some of our DFS review and see how some of the top players got their lineups done. And Phil Mickelson, he wins again on the Champions Store, two for two on there. And I only bring that up because he's in this week's field. It's a no-cut event. It's a par 72, 7,000 yards. Yep. I mean, this this could spell a little bit of Phil Mickelson being in play based on his salary, which we should get here very, very soon if it's not out already. Um, so let's talk about Phil for a second. I mean, the guy loves making birdies. Is he in play for a no-cut event? Yeah, absolutely. Why not, man? Like you said, I mean, um, we're getting, uh, you know, a West Coast venue. Phil's been pretty good on the West Coast over his career. You know, Maybe, I don't want to say it's like Pebble Beach, but it's a shorter par 72 with five par fives. I mean, um, and they're all kind of shorter par fives as well I, I don't see why not man I mean this is this type of situations I, I think you kind of like taking Phil and you saw him perform well at that WGC um you know back in August uh I think Phil kind of likes these events too he just comes in he doesn't have to worry about grinding so much against uh you know a bunch of other players a few less people in the field he gets a little bit more airtime. you know I, I, I like these events for Phil Mickelson I think these are kind of where he's aiming to to perform well too because he knows that if he gets a few points here uh, they, they a little bit more for him, you know, to stay up in the FedEx standings and top 50 and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I like it. Um, uh, you know, again, we don't know the pricing yet on him, but uh, I'm not expecting it to be, you know, big. Uh, I'm not expecting it to be expensive coming off like a miscut and a T44. So um, we'll see if they factor in like the senior championship, the, the champions win, but I don't think they will. So, yeah, can you imagine starting a line with Phil Mickelson and Jordan Spieth and feeling confident about it this week? <laughs> quite there yet, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the European tour just for a second. Matt Wallace went over there, looked like he was in absolute cruise control and showing kind of the form that he's got. But then Adrian Otegi comes up and shoots nine under on Sunday. There's more golf variance and variability for you. Um, I don't know if you caught any of that, but just want to make a quick note on Matt Wallace looking like he's returning to form. Yeah, Matt Wallace, a guy who can get, uh, you know, just super hot on around the greens as well. Looks like uh, his ball striking is a little bit better. But yeah, Otega, very similar to Coke Rack. Just came in on Sunday and was just like, I am not going to miss a putt. Sorry, my dog wanted in. But yeah, I mean, just very, uh, you know, very, very Coke Rack like. I mean, just he came in and was kind of dominant at the start and dominant at the end of that event. And um, yeah, it kind of sucks for Matt Wallace, but he's been on the other side of that before too. He's a guy who's made some Sunday charges and, and stuff like that. So it's something to note. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Just uh, keep your eye on Matt Wallace. Cause he's a guy who's come close, come well, close I'm... over in, uh, over in the U S even a couple of times too. Absolutely. All right, let's go into our DFS review. Our uh, topic uh, number four here. Uh, I'm sorry, number three, not number four. Sorry. I wasn't counting correctly today. We're going to go over the points and ownership first. Chalk was okay last week, and, and we'll kind of see, go over that. Um, but first, Jason Kokrak, 131. Xander Schauffele, 119. Ty Hatton, 118. Russell Henley, 112. Taylor Gooch, 109. Bubba Watson, 104. We talked about his propensity to be able to put up some DK points, and he didn't let us down. Joaquin Neiman, 94.5. Lanto Griffin, 92. Harris English, he showed up again after one bad week, 90.5. Cam Smith and Sebastian Munoz put up 87.5. Matt Fitzpatrick, 85.5, and there he is. I just mentioned him, Jordan Spieth, 85 points. Jeff, that was good enough for 13th in the field, but he came in 38th in the actual tournament. What do you make of that? I make it I make it is interesting, like you said. I mean, uh, it's just from DFS perspective, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think it still says that, you know, he's he's obviously not, not going to win with the ball striking and stuff like that, but... I think it's interesting from, um, you know, the fact that, uh, that, you know, the, um, the, the, the DFS points are there. That's the, the thing. DFS and points are there, right? Like it means scoring is there 19 yeah. birdies, one Eagle on the week. I mean, it's, it's, it means that whatever he's working on gives him the ability to score, which yeah. then he becomes price dependent, which the reason why we're talking about him to have a guy, $7,300, be able to put up 85 points and be in the top 15 in D- DK scoring it is a guy that we want to focus on in terms of building out lineups, especially even cash lineups. Yeah. And, and um, again, it, it's very, it goes to the fill point, man. I mean, these are the, probably the type of events where Spieth wants to come in. He gets four guaranteed rounds to, to work on his game. He doesn't have to sit there and be like, Oh my God, is my driver going to leave me on Friday today? So I have to go try and grind out this cut. He just comes in and 
okay, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to work on that. We know Jordan Spieth's game isn't there, but, you know, if he can come in with a little less pressure, we, we can see, you know, what, what happens. He'll make a ton of birdies. So absolutely. Yeah. He he's in play. I mean, I, again, a player, I maybe should have given at least a little bit more consideration to last week. Uh, it's so easy to write him off right now, but again, this is a different, you know, we're, we're not in like the big, like we're not playing like Tory Pines every week or something like that. The West coast this is like, you know, limited field, weaker field events. Even the top players aren't in great form. I mean, we saw tons of top players bomb last week. That's the other thing, right? So basically finished um, all around 30th for, you know, yeah. tests. they, they I mean, all had bad Sundays, which is, which is disappointing. And it's something to think about. Like this, these are way more important events for a guy like Jordan Spieth and other players who need points right now than they are for like. Yeah, Rory he had a sponsor invite to get into these two exactly. events. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, like, again, for his game, for his points, these are big. You, you got to kind of think about motivation right now. And, and I've mentioned this before, but fall series, it really feels like it's momentum thing. Like guys come in and they're either playing well and they play well through the whole fall series, or it's just like, you know, it's very random. And we see got things like Matt Wolf or, or, you know, Roy McElroy shooting like five over on Sunday. Like it's just, it, so um, definitely take note of the people who are playing well, guys like speed who may be coming in here with, with some focus at least. And, uh, and might make for good DFS plays. And, and Phil falls in that category too. Yeah. A couple of uh, ownership uh, plays we'll talk about. Justin Thomas ended up coming in as the top owned. He came in 16th. Xander Shoffley, 25% and second. McElroy, 25% and 14th. Neiman, 22 and 7. Matt Wolf, 22% and 70th. Oof. John Rahm, 17% and 20th. Dan Berger, 17 and 22nd. Abraham Answer, also 17 and 23rd. Sung J.M., 16% and 26th. Great call by Ben Raza on the Wednesday night show with me. Sung J.M., he said he expected to be much higher on than the previous week. It might have been a time to jump off. And 26 is not that bad. Uh, but the chalk, what the problem was, if you didn't have Jason Kokrak, who actually was just too below that, if you didn't have Kokrak and you didn't have Xander, it was a really tough time to cash because you saw all these other guys that I just mentioned come in the top 25. So if you had Coke rack and a mixture of the guys above, which likely you did, yeah. you, you were much better off. So while the chalk may not have hit perfectly, it hit enough when you mixed in the mid mid-level chalk, which was Coke rack and Henley. Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously uh, one of the heavier own players in, in Xander, you know, finishing second, having like the second biggest point total that uh, yeah, he was really kind of the must play. If you wanted any kind of cash, obviously. So um, no, no one else, uh, you know, really coming up there and contending in terms of like heavy chalks. So Xander was really like the play you needed. Obviously, if you had Coke rack, I mean, that, that would have made up for it, but um, obviously not as heavily owned as Xander. So he was really kind of like keyed on locking everything last week. For sure. And the single entry team is back as we go into our top GPP lineup review. Assassin 9955 coming out of nowhere. He had just one entry. He used 49,700 salary and a total ownership of 83%. So maybe the ownership just a tad high, but for a no cut, it makes sense. And the way he differentiated was to leave some salary on the table and a pretty good lineup here. 653 points had Kograk, Henley, Neiman, the three we just mentioned had Ty Hatton and Xander. Ty Hatton coming in under 10% ended up being the, probably the best against the grain play on the slate. You know, Kograk was 10% on, so he was less than Kograk. And then, Kind of just a throw-in with answers, so not a perfect lineup. Could have picked about, I think, 10, maybe even 12 other guys that were either cheaper than answer or had more points than him. So um, real quality line for a, a no-cut event, leaving 300, maybe a little bit higher on the chalk, but see it ended up working. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, definitely like taking advantage of the Neiman, the Neiman-Henley value. I mean, that made a ton of sense. You know, Xander, we I talked about a little bit off the start. Um, you know, it, it came down to him and Rory. Obviously, he had to make the right choice there last week. And then you're right. I mean, I think Haddon and Kokrak just solid GPP pivots. I mean, we knew they weren't going to be highly owned. Uh, Hatton, obviously. Hatton is one of those guys who – he was probably easy to write off last week because he's flying in from England. But he is just one of those form players, man. Like, when he gets in a groove, yeah. it'll, it'll, it'll just stay for, for, like, three or four events. And he'll be all over it, either putting or approaches or whatever. Uh, we saw him, you know, get away a little bit and go on as like that hat and tilt in round three, but he got it together on Sunday too and came up big. Yeah. So he's like a rich man's Ches Reevy, honestly. Yeah, he's yeah. upside's way better than Reevy, but when he gets yeah. in form, he just stays there, whether he's winning a bunch or or what have you. So um great call on that. Uh Hatton again in the field this week. Similar, but probably gotta take a look at him again, especially with his yeah. rights, I suspect will be 
up close to 10K. Um, so interesting there. Um, all right, let's go into our DFS review now. I love the fact that a single entry person won again, by the way. And just yeah. to show you, you do not need 150 entries to take down 100K. But if you do want to do 150 entries, here's how some of the top pros did it. Last week, we'll start off with our own Alex Osmo Baker. He was probably a little bit ticked off with Justin Thomas, who got it all the way to 11 under on Sunday, and then all of a sudden came in and was just terrible on his remaining holes, similar to Roy McIlroy. But he was at 68% of Justin Thomas. He bought into Gary Woodland's price, which would have made sense, but uh, the injury suspect there, maybe Gary Woodland is not quite back to full health. John Rahm, uh, 33%. Sander Shoffley, 31 Justin Rose, 31 and quite an up-and-down week for Rose. I mean, got it to a 3-4 under, just a lot of double bogeys. His game is inconsistent, which is not something we typically say about Rose. Uh, Jason Kokrak, 30%. So we had the winner at 30%. McElroy, 23 Horsell, 19 Kucher, 19 Palmer, 17 Neiman and Connors, also at 17 But that only got him 1129 in the $10. Does that surprise you having... 3x the field on Kokrak, or is it really just that Gary Woodland who was the second guy in in his lineup quite a bit? Um, this is the problem with no cuts. This is what I was going to say. The note I had. This is the problem with no cuts, where even if you have the winner at thirty percent, you need to hit a six of six parlay uh, to do anything, especially in a no cut. Yeah, uh, those boat anchors, man, like Woodland and uh, and and a couple other dudes there, obviously, uh, like Rose. Kucher, I mean, they're just, they're just boat anchors. They just—it's amazing how much they drag you down. And I mean, as, you know, obviously, probably if he had bumped up the Neiman ownership a little bit, that probably would have helped. Uh, the only boat seventeen uh, percent. Having no Henley, obviously, was probably a big thing there. You know, going with guys like, well, like we said, I mean, uh, you know, Woodland and, and Kucher over him, that probably hurt because I mean, Henley had some ownership, right? So that's probably what dragged him down the most, and just didn't give him uh, a chance at, at anything better than that. But. I mean, it's it's solid, obviously, taking like you know double the coke rack and stuff like that, and and being overweight on Xander. I mean, it, it's it definitely probably feels like he missed something there this week, and even Justin Thomas. I mean, being uh, you know having a, a pretty solid week there, at least outperforming others in his salary range. So, yeah, that um, you know just uh, one or two. It's a lot closer probably than the results say of a big week, but yeah, that that is the no cut event, man. I mean. Just you got to have access to to all those those good values and um, yeah, and if you don't and they're relatively highly owned like they were this week. It's it's a tougher game to cash. So uh, I wanted to put on uh, a twenty entry match because I know that a lot of our listeners uh, go into that this week. So this is what, how I played the twenty entry max uh, last week, and this was based off of the projections that I give away in my model. So it's a it's a, an average of my own projections and Osmos. And this is kind of what it gave you. All I did was I, I plugged it in to Fantasy Cruncher, uh, put in uh, just one unique player, so I didn't really change much. And this is what it gave me. It gave me Neiman at 95%, Xander at 70 Sungjae Im at 65 Watson at 60 Billy Horschel 55 Kokrak 50 Casey 35%, Hovland 30 McElroy and Matsuyama 20 Berger, Thomas, and Cantley a little bit lesser owned at 15%. But I um, wanted to bring up, it was a, I think I played it in the $3 birdie and just 60 to enter, and it was about a 4x return. So uh, this is what needed to have on the 4x return. Now, granted, I did not have a positive week overall in my big lineup, which we're going to go over here in a couple of minutes, did not cash. Um, but good to see the GPP get it done. Now, I wanted to bring up, for a no-cut event, is this the way that you have to go? You really have to go big or go home, right, for a no-cut event. And as you can see, this is what it took to get a 4x return. Yeah, it, it definitely uh lends itself more i mean you, you know you want as obviously like um you know we're talking about being overweight xander but it still wasn't enough obviously for alex to get that one lineup in so hey, it is it is it, in a lot of ways it's it's funny i mean you the the big uh the no cut events you know you think there's like a, a little less variance but you have to be you have to nail it so much more in, in the no cuts uh because it's a lesser field obviously you have lesser combos um there's less bad lineups out there so to speak so um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's, uh, I think that's a, probably, especially for 20 max, it makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, you know, you pick out the, the two or three best plays you want, you go heavy on those and, and, um, make the player pool smaller. And, and it, it definitely leads to more variance, which is why these weeks are frustrating. I mean, talked about it. It is very much all or nothing. There's, I think there's, they're higher variance for sure, because, um, you're either on these dudes and you're well overweight on them or you're, you're just, you're, 
you know, you maybe have a little piece and you just didn't get enough, but. Yep. And, and I think for no cut events, I think that's, that's more of the route I, I'm going to take uh, yep. in the cut events. I think you get even more variability. So uh, I'm a little, you know, obviously I'm a little bit more concerned. I know that even if I go 90% Neiman, I'm likely to get him four rounds and I'm still likely to get 16 birdies. And at 7,500, that's a pretty good return regardless of what he does. Now we got a lot of placement points out of him. He came in sixth. So we've got 12 placement points. Plus we got a hot putter. So um, those are the things that I like to do. Again, I think at the no cut event is more specific to that. And we even saw it with Alex, he went 67% on Justin Thomas, which, you know, we, we cover him each and every week. Normally he's around 30%. So obviously um, this is definitely the trend. Uh, and certainly when we go on and, Talk about the other two guys that we're going to look at, uh, Brick 75 and Earwig. And Earwig was the top uh, GPP performer last week. We'll start with him, and here we can see Xander Shoffley, 82% at the top. Justin Thomas and Rory in at 40. Henley, 38. Matsuyama and Kokrak at 35, uh, 35%. Um, plenty more guys there, about 20% as well, including Horschel, Neiman, Harmon, Berger, and the like. So he came in third last week, this uh, user named Earwig. Uh, again, no cut event. You can see the allocations really heavy. He only used 25 golfers, which yep. is only about a third of the field. So maybe that's a little bit too aggressive for me, but I like the allocation element. I would probably bump up uh, for 150 lineups. I would probably have more like 35 or 40 golfers, but that's just the way I play. Yeah. For 150, I can definitely get behind that. Um, obviously went big on a couple, well, really went big on Xander, which was uh, worked out perfectly, but double on, on guys like Kokrak and Hanley, obviously like those values. So Interesting. He didn't have. Oh no, he did have Neiman there. Okay, sorry. So never mind. I mean, he really nailed it. Then, yeah, you know, even getting exposure to guys like um, and still didn't even win. Couldn't even beat a single. No, I know. <laughs> still, I mean, and and I guess uh, Hatton looked like it. Probably does he have me? Hatton? No, so Hatton Hatton's Hatton's really big was, miss on on yeah. all of the pros. As you can see, yeah. Brian Hooper above. He didn't have Hatton either. Right. right. Um, so yeah. yeah, Hatton seemed to be the big miss from all these guys. Yeah, and I, I kind of get it. Like, I just really couldn't get myself on on Hatton. I mean, 9,600, he's a good player, but that is a, a little bit expensive for him, you know, with some of the elite players coming back and coming over from Europe, that kind of narrative. It was it was hard to get on him. It wasn't really, like, rating out for me great or anything. I don't think it was really rating out anywhere great. So just one of those weeks, though, man, where, I mean, like, let the field strokes gain approach. He putted okay, and uh, he made a bunch of birdies, um, especially on, on his final round. So, yeah, it was uh, it was kind of a tough week. He had to pay up for that lower ownership, and uh, I kind of understand why these guys didn't do it because, you know, I had multiple reasons not to do it myself. Yeah, especially with, you know, Xander Schauffele, for example, you know, only 700 above him. Matt Wolf, even, who was highly owned, only 600 above him. Certainly, I guess people were ready to trust him over Hatton. Probably not going to happen this week. Um, okay, so uh, I believe let's go into our lineups now and talk about kind of where we went. Um, I had a, my top lineup here, or I should say my biggest lineup uh, of the week. I started off with McElroy, and you and I talked about it. We, we were going to go McElroy from the very beginning, 84 and a half points. He came in the top 15 in points, but for a guy that was fourth in salary, obviously the switch from McElroy to Xander, believe it or not, though, I checked, would not have gotten me into the cash. So it really wasn't McElroy that hurt me. Where it was is Patrick Cantlay. But when I go and look at the play at 7.5% ownership coming in off a of second place, honestly, Jeff, I'm not that upset about going Patrick Cantlay, even though ultimately it ended up costing me a cash. Well, and this is one of the reasons why Hatton was was low-owned, right? I mean, like yeah. Hatton and Cantlay at the same kind of price tag and, and Cantlay coming off like a decent finish. You know, a Vegas guy. I mean, there's just so many reasons to take Patrick Cantlay there, but... Cali's game has been weirdly off lately. So um, very inconsistent, you know, for him anyways. Um, yep. We expect uh, obviously a lot of his game after, uh, you know, such a good play over the last couple of years. But yeah, that was kind of the difference. I mean, I know I made that mistake in, in basically, you know, whenever I went to that range, it was the same thing for me. I just couldn't get off a lower own Patrick Cantlay there. I just thought it was a good move too. So, um, you know, you live and die with those decisions. It's fine. I mean, Cantlay's a good player. It's, I think the price there was, was fine, but. It does, uh, it, it does speak like I don't, you know, that, that Shriners top 10 or whatever he had, like, might have just been a bit of a mirage. So something to keep an eye on. We'll see how he, uh, how he progresses here. Maybe more of just a course fit thing than anything yeah. else. Um, and, and it's too bad because with Cam Champ and, and Harry Higgs, both scoring over 75 points or at or yeah. over 75 points, Jeff. I mean, for a week where 
you know, yeah. 80, 82 points was top 15. Yeah, Those 6,300 was, was pretty on the money. Yeah, I didn't realize Cam Champ had three Eagles. I mean, I didn't pay attention to him at all. That's what he does. But, I mean, it, it is what he does. I mean, he's probably going to make him a good play again this week. I don't know if he's in the field. Uh, I can't even remember. But, um, yeah, just really interesting. I mean, it really speaks to just uh, how these no-cut events work. I mean, you just don't necessarily need your guy in the top 30 to pay off, assuming you nail the actual winners of the event. Uh, you know, your other players just need you to score somehow. Just need to score somehow. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you can totally see scoring, even just on this very, very micro scale. Cam Champ comes in a tie for 40th, right, and scores two more points yep. than Harry Higgs, who comes in a tie for 21st. So, 21st, yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's weird, um, and we brought it up with Spieth already before. So, all right, let's go into your lineup, and, and similar type of build, similar type of process. Uh, you had McElroy and M. We both found ourselves there. You found yourself to Bubba Watson and Cam Smith. Two great plays. Where you went wrong was uh, Ustazen and Casey. Yeah. I, I fell into the Casey trap as well, man. I thought this would be yeah. a perfect bounce back candidate spot for him. Yeah, that, I just couldn't get off it. Um, you know, I considered a couple other guys in that range, but I was just like, you know, 8,000 Paul Casey. He's not even trending to high ownership. That's the thing, right? So um, realistically, I should have just taken that, uh, gone down to that uh, Neiman value I was talking about, obviously. Um, I really wish I had just gone, you know, super overweight on that and just trusted it. Um, I did have some exposure to Hanley in another lineup. But, um, you know, here, obviously, I went a bit more balanced, played the, uh, you know, tried to play the good form on Usti coming in. I, I thought this would be a good setup for him, too. He's just playing so well throughout the bag. But he just kind of mailed it in after, like, an okay first round. So there's really nothing there. He did have two eagles, actually. I mean, it wasn't, like, the worst. But um, wasn't very good either for, for how much he was. Guys like Answer outscored him. So um, that wasn't great. And, yeah, Casey, I mean, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I was like, yeah, I mean, uh, I went Rory over Xander, so this was never going to be a big week. But um, from a process standpoint, like uh, Casey at AK, just, I just don't know how you could get away from that, especially for GPPs, especially under 10% owned. So um, I was like never going to get away with it I'll, or get away from that. I'll, I'll live and die with it. I like the I like the bubble call. He's playing TD Green right uh, well right now. I wasn't shocked that he played well. Cam Smith I thought was really good too. Um, for his price so um pretty happy with those guys but the rest of the guys um you know it was more just uh I, I think it was, was maybe the only guy I can make a case for getting off of just because um uh you know you could have gone up and taken advantage of uh of a player in the 9k range and gone down to, to Neiman but other than that you know I'm I'm not gonna beat myself up over like 8k Paul Casey so yeah, no, it was a good play and on Saturday we just had Greg mention in our chat that if you had if you had played him in showdown he actually was a pretty good play for Saturday. He shot 567. I think he might have even – wasn't bogey-free, but he had the three birdies streaking around, which is always very, very it's, helpful. Uh, it, it's just another factor, these no-cut events. Like, I I, just, I don't want to say I hate them, but, like, God, they're frustrating sometimes when guys – That exact reason, yeah. They're not – they're not – like, he might not even be in bad form. He's just – you know, he didn't – you know, it's Vegas. It's the fall. It's just the mindset, right, and, and the mental focus. Obviously, winning golf tournaments is so hard. You saw Kulkrak's the guy's been on the you know the verge for so long. Everything's got to go right. So when you're coming into one of these no cut events, you don't start off well. It's so easy, especially when you're a successful golfer, to just take uh, you know take your foot off the pedal for a round or two. And uh, you know you saw him come back on on Saturday, and it's just like man, like what where where have you been? So, anyways, so the I want to tie uh, tie last week up in a bow real quick, but before I do. Uh, we haven't mentioned yet, and one of the most unfortunate withdraws occurred oh, yeah. possibly ever in PGA DFS as Jason Day was in the second-to-last group yeah. on Sunday and withdrew on the second hole. Now, granted, he still scored 67 points for the week, so all wasn't a too much of a lost cause, but he could have legitimately put up a top five score. And likely if he plays on Sunday and plays out the round and ends up coming in the top 10, he could have even been in the winning GPP lineup. Just a really, really tough break. He's listed in the field again this week. Can you touch him in no cut events? Can you touch him at all? I mean, this was one of the worst withdrawals and there's three or four guys that we know are on that withdrawal list that they do it much more than any other golfer. Kevin Nalu Ustays are, are the yeah. other two that come to mind real quickly. Yeah, actually, it's funny. I mean, I was looking at Kevin Na this week, and I'm like, I really want to trust like Kevin Na here. I know he hasn't withdrawn for two events, but like he's kind of due now. So <laughs> I actually, you know, the funny thing about Day is, I was watching online for a bit because obviously NFL was on yesterday, 
Yep. I didn't realize Day had withdrawn until like the 16th hole. I'm like, really? Shot tracker not showing Jason Day. I'm like, I'm like, then, then it clicked. I'm like, did he withdraw in the second to last group? I'm like, not- so I go back and look. I'm like, oh my God, that is terrible. As I almost took a shot on Jason Day too, like for betting and stuff. So, I, I mean, I was kind of breathing a sigh of relief because I mean, like that would have just been like so tilting. Um, sorry to, to anyone who had to go through that, by the way. Like that is annoying as I did play him, of course, at about 40% on the final round showdown, which was about his ownership anyway, to be honest with you. So it's not like yeah. that much. Yeah. Field, but brutal to see. It with, uh, I do it like the first round. Just so I mean, like, come on. But I mean, wow. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. And he's in the field this week, isn't he? Like, yeah, well, he's listed right now. Who knows if that'll end up happening? But yeah, he is listed in. The and then he was playing well before he withdrew. Like he was legitimately playing really good. So his irons looked like they'd come back. His yeah. short was good. So I mean like, he's healthy. What what to do with this guy is, is I don't know. I honestly have no I, I you just have to treat him as a highly variable play. Like it's you're just obviously you're probably gonna get him as like four percent ownership this week. Um yeah. and and it really in a way it's it's nice because like we don't it's a limited field and you know, when you're getting a guy with, with the upside of Jason Day in this field, it's kind of nice because you're kind of guaranteed lower ownership on a, on a high-end player. But holy cow, man. Yeah, this is like – it's, it's kind of like, you know, you're doing mental gymnastics now. Like, am I stupid for doing this or am I really smart? And, um, like, I, I don't really want to do this, but, like, I almost feel like I – you know, just watching Jason Day over the first three rounds last week, I kind of want to. So, yep. I don't know. I'll be dealing with – I'll be, you know – mulling over this one for a little while yeah it's it's tough it's a really tough situation because he was playing super well but the withdrawal capability and no cut if he withdraws i mean you're just forget about it you can just write it off um all right well let's now since we're talking about this week let's go ahead and move on but before we do i wouldn't uh be remiss if i didn't ask everyone to like and subscribe if you're not already a subscriber to our youtube channel here go ahead and press the button and of course give us a few likes in here, I see a couple of more of us join to or dislike. If you don't like what we're saying or you disagree with us, we'll take it. We'll we'll, we'll take any type of feedback uh, we can get here. So uh, let's move on to Sherwood Country Club, which, interestingly enough, it's one of the only setups we'll see like this this year. And something I want to talk about to see if there is uh, another angle we should be playing or we should be more heavily waiting on some of these guys. And it is a par 72, 7,100 yards. But it's five par fives, five par threes, and eight par fours. So that, I think, in and of itself, will likely push the scoring into the 20 under range. Not because the course is easier than last week, but simply because, guys, we know score easier on the par five. So I think we'll get, you know, the winner uh, in 2013 was Tiger Woods, I think, or, or maybe Zach Johnson was the winner that year. But it was at minus 18. Uh, now, like I mentioned before, Sherwood hosted the Chevron World Challenge, which has now turned into the Hero World Challenge. And it was held at Sherwood for almost 10 years, or maybe just over 10 years. And the winning average score was around minus 19. But now we're getting almost a full field, or two and a half, three times as much as we had before. 78 golfers, Jeff. We expect a minus 20 or better winner this week, correct? Yeah, um, I, I think so. I mean, you know, look at the weather. It doesn't look that bad or anything like that. I mean, that was definitely my first inclination, like, you know, the winning score here was, was, it wasn't actually that low when they did the Chevron, like it was around like 13 to 18 most years, but um, you know, you got to think a little distance advantage. The players are better. Like maybe, maybe it's a little bit similar to this week, but I even think it'll be a little bit easier than, than it was at Shadow Creek. Uh, It's just my opinion, just looking at the course and and how it's going to play. It does have a drivable par four. It's got five par, par fives. The, the par threes don't look super like difficult either. I think the par threes were, were sort of some of the tougher holes on the course last week. So um, I think all things considered, yeah, I, I think you'll probably see scoring maybe a little bit lower, a little bit better overall, and a, a player maybe to get like in that 21-22. I mean, the only thing, it's a little bit cooler weather this week. So yep. that could be something that that just maybe makes these par fives a little bit less reachable, um, something to think about. But, you know, overall, um, I, I, I mean, I think the big question here is, is it going to be like one of those courses where you need to be a big hitter? You, you look at the winners of the Chevron Challenge, like Graham McDowell, Luke Donald, Jim Furyk won it. Like these aren't long hitters. So maybe it, maybe it plays a little bit similar to last week where we just see good ball strikers and not necessarily you have to be like the beast off the tee, um, good ball strikers and good putting. So maybe a little bit more of a second shot course than, 
than we think or realize. Um, that's just me, like looking at past events. I'm not saying that's how I was going to play, but I think uh, I think we could see similar type of stuff to what we saw last week. Uh, yeah, I think, I think the rough length will probably be a, a big thing this week. Obviously, the Invesco Q yeah. Championship for the Champion Store has been here, but the difference between the two tours is definitely rough length and green speed. There's no yeah, doubt about yeah. it. Rough length is about an inch longer. I, I suspect because it is September, probably some overseeding conditions, uh, maybe even get a Bermuda. I don't know. We'll have to see. In Malibu, it's pretty temp- pretty nice temperature, so they may not need Bermuda there. That, that might be able to survive all year round. Uh, West Coast is obviously not not my forte. I haven't been out there that much. Definitely haven't been to Malibu, but that does bring me to my point that it is Malibu. The unlimited budget that likely Sherwood Country Club has will give a similar feel in types of the manicureness of the greens and, and where they want to get it to. If they want the green speeds at 15, they can get it there. If they want it at 12, they can get it there. Um, so similar to Shadow Creek in that regard, I think. But I, I think the far five par fives will certainly play into it. Um, and I think the rough link will probably see around two to two and a half inches. So maybe a little bit of a premium on fairways hit, but it's already tree lined anyway. So if you're, if you're off 20 or 30 yards this week with any type of shot, I mean, you're going to definitely be in trouble. It's in the middle of two state forests for goodness sakes. Right. So, yeah. I, I, which I think puts a premium on driving accuracy. Sorry. Yeah. And it could, that, that's kind of what I'm, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, uh, it does look like there's some, some elevation too and stuff like that. So um, might be a, might put a little bit more, um, you know, just on on approaches and, and just you know overall accuracy. Like a, it, you think, you know, shorter par fives might be a bomber's course, but I don't think most of the field is going to have trouble reaching these greens in two. So, um, like obviously, distance is always an advantage. But um, you know, as we saw with Kokrak last week, like you know, he, he still gained. The reason he won is because he just putted insanely. So um, he, he drove it fine. But irons, were, irons were good, too, to give him the opportunity for putting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and realistically, I think he, his driving stats might have actually been his worst last week. So um, I, I really do think it's going to be, in some ways, quite similar to the course we saw last week. Elevation changes, like you said, nicely, really highly manicured course. Um, reachable par fives kind of for everyone. Um, you know, the, the one thing that might throw a dent into that is, like, you know, like I said, maybe uh, maybe it's a little bit cooler temps and, and the big hitters do get a slight advantage, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be that bad. So, Cam Champ took down an event uh, in California for one of his two wins on the PGA Tour. Yep. One would think 20 par fives over four days. He's almost a must roster. Now, we don't have salaries quite yet, which is the latest that the uh, DraftKings has, has done. Um, but we do have pricing, um, so we can talk about our uh, first clicks at least. Um this is where betting in DFS differs for me because like I scroll down and I see Cameron champ in the betting odds at 150 to one, but I can tell by looking at his statistics, uh, I'm not ready to bet him for a top 10 finish, even maybe a top 20, but for DFS purposes, if he's not 7,500 or above for me, there's no reason not to roster this guy because he's shown me enough that I do believe he's going to get another two Eagles this week. He's got 24 fives and, he obviously drives in maybe the longest on tour or maybe the longest in this field, at least with pricing on it. So any other golfers like Cameron champ that you would say, I'm not going to go to you in the betting markets. You can say Jordan speed as well, but I am going to look at you in, in DraftKings. Um, yeah. For like for DraftKings purposes, champ is, is definitely a good call with the five par fives. I mean, I think you really need to factor that in. Um, obviously uh, we, we've talked about it off the top with, with speed. I think speed probably fits into that category as well. hundred percent. I think Spieth, Phil and, um, and Cameron champ are, are just good. No cut event and, and plays and, and even more so this just with the type of course and scoring we're going to see, um, you know, uh, as far as anyone else who falls into that range, I mean, I'm not, not, no one else really kind of pops off just as a pure score. Maybe if you get like Benny, actually Benny on, on, on pole greens, no thanks. Uh, just forget I said that. Um, <laughs> that was quick. Yeah, um, you, you know, I, I don't have a problem going, but I mean, Sebastian Munoz is interesting. He can get it out there a little bit. He can get hot with the putter. Um, you know, we'll see what his price is. But um, yeah, I think those are really the three type of guys for DFS. You know, if we're getting cheap prices on them again, um, feel free to sprinkle them in. I mean, it's just a good, if, if Cam Champ does actually just sharpen up a little bit or gets hot, gets hot with the putter here, I mean, and he does end up in the top 20, I can't see him not factoring in with all these par fives. Like it'll be, It'll be a for sure thing, but um, yeah, you know, the rest of the guys just kind of look like, are they going to get hot on the greens here? Um, are they going to just, you know, have, have a good reeks around the greens? Cause it doesn't look like there's any 
super other prolific par five scores that I'd, I'd be like, oh yeah, you got to roster that guy. Um, you could take a shot with Mark Leishman coming through, but I mean, he is, he is really in a funk. So um, that's the only other dude that really sticks out to me other than those, those top three, maybe Carlos Ortiz. He's, he's been a pretty good West coast player. Okay. He's going to get hot with his putter, but um, not, not in the same category as like a Phil Spieth or, or champ for me. So you actually mentioned one of my first clicks uh, there, um, not right at the end, a little bit before, and my second click as well. Well, sitting at 90 to 1 to win now, I, I, I say this often, but I don't think, just like I would say about Kokrak last week, I don't think that Kokrak could win. I don't think that Cameron Smith or Sebastian Munoz can win. But at 90 to 1 odds, sliding down from there, 14 to 1 on the top five and 6 to 1 on the top 10 and plus 225 on the top 20, those are my first two clicks. Both of them are playing very, very good right now. Both yep. around the green, they're looking good. We have the similar type surfaces. We're going from Shadow Creek, which is bent, to Sherwood, which is also bent. So some familiarity. I think we're going to have green speeds just as fast as we did last week. So Munoz and Cameron Smith, both guys that can score on DraftKings, both guys playing well, and both guys that certainly love this early season stuff. We had Cam Smith obviously win. Sony last year, Sebastian Munoz win the Sanderson Farms a year ago. So uh, I like both of these guys. I think they're both trending in the right direction. And at 90 to 1, uh, seem like pretty good values. Yeah, I'm definitely on the Munoz play. Um, Got to look up uh, a little bit more on Cam Smith, Cam Smith here. He can be a little bit, um, you know, wild off the tee. So that, that driving accuracy can be a bit of an issue. But, um, you know, scoring-wise, he's doing it right now. He's around the green game. is It's kind of back to where it was. Yeah, he had a really good week around the greens last week. And with him, uh, that is a big factor of his game. Like, uh, his, the ball strike will come and go. But if he's if he's playing well around the greens, he can compete kind of anywhere. So definitely like the Munoz call. Probably will uh, we'll possibly get a piece of Cam Smith here as well. So, um, from top 20 and just like a DFS perspective like those, um, you know, for, where's my odds here? Yeah. For, for me, um, Munoz, like I said, definitely kind of popped off. I mean, uh, I haven't bet him outright. I'm not sure if I'm going to, but I'll definitely consider him for a, a top 10 or a top 20 bet. Probably will look to, to maybe even go a little bit heavier, um, from that perspective this week. There's, there's really nobody down there that I love for like a long shot top 20. I mean, I, I mentioned Leishman, but I just don't know if that's worth it. Um, I think Carlos Ortiz might actually be like, if you're looking for like a long shot top 20, he might be the most interesting to me. Uh, he, he's made a couple cuts here and there. Um, he's just play, he's been okay. Like he's got a decent record on the West coast over his career. He's played okay. Um, at, uh, you know, West coast venues like Riviera and, and stuff like that. Uh, he can get hot with this putter. Um, you know, CJ cup last week, obviously he, he did. He was actually okay. T to green ball strike. He just didn't putt well. So that could easily flip one week. Uh, my, my first click was, was more just, uh, just as an outright. I, I'm, I'm going to get back on Harris English this week. I like the way he finished, started off really slow last week. And then he was 13 under over his last three rounds, uh, gained strokes pretty much everywhere. Um, the, the last three rounds as well off the tee, ball striking, putting like to see that he's been a really good West coast player over his career. Uh, if there's a little bit of poa mix in the greens here, which uh, I've heard there might be, then that's good. But even if there isn't, I just think he's scoring well. And he's a player you get hot with this putter, uh, doing everything well on like a bit of a shorter course where it's not necessarily going to play like uh, to, to super to the bombers necessarily. I like it. Um, that was my first click for an outright. Yeah, I, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty good call um, for it, in terms of outrights for uh, me this week. It's a tough one because with a shorter course, I feel like it does bring a couple of more people into it. I think one of those people that it brings into it, but his game is so volatile right now. It's Tommy Fleetwood, 45 to one, maybe thought those odds were a little bit long, uh, but yeah. given the way he's playing, I just felt like seeing Tiger Woods at 33 to one and seeing Tommy Fleetwood at 45 to one, I, I would sense there's a little bit of value there with Fleetwood. He almost won a golf tournament over Europe recently. So it's not like form is, is that far away. Uh, there, that stretch. And there are some, some interesting odds here. Like uh, I actually was going to bring, but like Paul Casey, 75 to one. Yep. Like he's, he's like 50 to one. You know, to win one actually on DK Sportsbook right now. Yeah. Wait. Again, use odd shopper. You'll be able to see all of this on one page. Just wanted to let people know about that. Absolutely. Um, so a couple more guys. I mean, I was really confused at this one. Maybe not confused, but maybe I'm not used to seeing all these guys priced above them, but Justin Rose, 110 to one. Is that an appropriate price for him right now? 
Well, I th- again, like I, I think Casey and Rose are, are actually make for interesting bets. Like I'm probably going to take a shot with one of these guys this week. Um, I don't think that, especially in Casey's case, I don't think that he's playing that bad. I mean, this was a player who was like top 20 at the U S open a couple weeks ago. I just think it's, it's, it's a factor of the fall series in these no cut events. Yeah. I think you really need to, I think you really need to just look at the bigger picture with, with a lot of these guys. Um, I'm not saying this is the week they turn it around necessarily, but this is definitely the week you can take a shot. Um, you know, Casey's a dude who just about won, even Rose, we could make the, 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 he was top 10 at the PGA championship two months ago. Um, you know, I, I think he in California, he's definitely been more inconsistent than Casey, but like he, he's, he's capable. I mean, we saw him come off the, the hiatus and, and put up a, like a top five, a couple top tens. He gets hot with the putter and just gets rolling. I, I, you, the more I think about it, I might even take a shot with both these guys at these odds. Um, you, you just don't get them at these, uh, you know, these limited field events at these prices, um, two quality players. I don't know. Maybe Justin Rose is done, but I don't think taking a shot with him at like a hundred to one this week is like a bad thing. Um, this is, you know, it definitely is better than doing it at like 50 to one last week. So a little bit of investment there for me. Um, definitely, probably, I think I'm going to get in on Casey. Uh, I'll, I'll look into Rose a little bit more, but I think Casey is the one who I'm expecting to see like the the, the switch flipped at, at one of these fall events eventually for him. Yeah, for sure. And it, it, I think I forgot to mention. Apologize about the uh, one where I talked about the Zozo. Uh, it is a it is a no cut that we've mentioned a couple of times. 78 players in the field. And that 78 is gone by uh, top 60 in the FedEx Cup points list from last year, which like the like six, 58 of the top 60 ended up coming in. So like only 61 and 62 ended up getting in this field, which is why Fleetwood Rose, Spieth, and a couple of others needed sponsor invites to get in. Um, but also getting in are, I believe, about eight or nine players from various Japanese uh, golf tour ways couple of them from the OWGR, one of them from winning a weird tournament. A couple of names I just wanted to bring up there, just, just for uh, the purposes of this being Zozo. Uh, Takumi Kanaya, he's one that just turned pro recently and certainly has some accolades of, of being a superb player uh, eventually on the PGA Tour. Jazz Jenna Watanan, we've seen a couple of times, obviously, over here, Shugo Imahara as well. Um, so those three names we've certainly seen. Sean Norris as well. Sean Norris, we just saw at the U.S. Open and played pretty decently for a couple of rounds. He's up there at 600 to one uh, to win. And again, I'm not recommending betting him in any stretch. It's kind of more talking about how the field is bringing out. But if you had to roster and or bet on any of these golfers that maybe nobody has ever heard of, uh, any of those guys interest you this week? Or I'll put one more step into it because we don't have salaries. If any of them are min-priced, do they interest you? Or is it just too deep of a player field with the uh, the, you know, the PGA tour players where it's going to be tough to get to them. It's probably going to be tough to get to them. Um, and Jano wanted to not won't be 6,000 either. So it's like, if you yeah. wanted to play him, he's not going to pull price. I think, I think, I think Sean Norris is probably the, the guy. I mean, he, he has been over here a little bit. You like that. You know, he's, he's obviously seen the competition at the U S open. Um, a, a guy I think is at least capable of, of holding on for a couple rounds, maybe making you a few birdies. And, um, you know, we'll see if he's a men priced. I could actually, I could see, I mean, I'll, I'll look into it a little bit more, but you, you mentioned, I mean, if the guy can make a, a small appearance at the U S open, I mean, this is a, this is a big event for him very much like, um, you know, it is for like, we, we mentioned players like a, a speed or something. So he's going to come in here and give, give you his all for four rounds. He's not going to like, you know, take off to the strip or anything like that. Um, you know, like Matthew Wolf did last week, maybe, but um, it, uh it, it'll be interesting to see if, he, if he's the bare min, I, I think it, it could be, but um, if, if there's players like, you know, if we have like Tyler Duncan down there again, or someone yeah, like that, like Nick Taylor or Tyler Duncan at midnight, yeah. you're picking them over Norris, right? It'll be pretty tough to, to take them over Norris. So it really does. There is 11 of these players though. I, I mean, that, that's like a pretty big portion of this field, isn't it? Uh, I was surprised. Which is interesting. I think it, it probably now becomes more about drafting point scoring than it ends up does about finishing points yeah. um, because, you know, you're almost guaranteed in the top 60 at that point. Almost yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, yeah. Not that any of these guys can't go out and beat any of the PGA Tour pros. They certainly can. I'm not saying that. But in a betting mindset, I would take PGA Tour pro almost every single time, um, given on who it is and, and form and a couple of other things. So, all right, because pricing is still not out, let's do something different um, where we're going to look at the odds 
that uh, DK Sportsbook and others have put out. And we're we're going to kind of talk about where we think the pricing is and where it's going to lead us to possibly roster guys. So last week, John Rahm was uh, and also wanted to mention, I think we're not getting pricing. Maybe they're waiting to hear about Dustin Johnson, who right now is the second favorite in the field. But we don't know if he's going to play because he has to get two negative tests. One of them was, I believe, on Sunday and another one today. So if he tests negatively both days, he'll be back in the field. So maybe DK is just waiting to put pricing. They don't want to have Dustin Johnson withdraw again and have pricing get messed up. Mm-hmm. So let's do a DJ not in the field first. And at 10 to 1 with John Rahm, I think that means he's going to come in at 11,000. I don't think they're putting him over this week. Plus, with the form or at least the finish last week, kind of less than par, I think he's going to slide in at 11. Based on the odds, is Xander Shuffley really going to be the second highest priced golfer in this field? Yeah. I, he's, he 100%, it looks like it, right? 100% is. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, I 100% agree with you on John Rahm. I think he's going to be 11K flat. Yep. Um, I think with the, you know, the, again, the 11 sponsors exemptions and stuff, it, it also gives people less of those min value plays to work with. So having him at 11 kind of makes a little bit of sense from that perspective. Um, you don't have like guys down at 6k that are really that viable in most likelihood. Yeah. Uh, we'll see, but, um, yeah, I think Xander's gonna be 10, eight. I think he's gonna be right behind him. Um, there's, there's not much difference in the odds between Ram and Xander. I've even seen books at them at the same price. So right. yeah. And McElroy and Thomas are are not that far behind. So I think we could even get a $100 difference between all four of them. So we're going to get Rahm at 11, Xander 10-9, Justin 10-8, and Rory 10-7. I don't think we're going to get much difference. Yeah, you could. I mean, I I think the biggest difference, if we do get one, will be like 10-6 to 11. Like you you might get like McElroy at 10-6 or something and – and, uh, you know, Xander like 10, eight and Thomas thrown in between or something like that. But that's how, uh, that's how Ty Hatton and Webb Simpson coming real close to 10. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the other one. Like is Ty Hatton going to be how much, like, what do, what do you think his price is going to be? Like he's going to be over 10 K, right? I think he's going to be 10 flat. And I think Webb Simpson, either Webb Simpson will be 10 flat and Hatton will be 10 one. Uh, yeah. Or if Patton will be 10 and Webb Simpson will be 9-9, I think we're, we're priced right in that range with those, these seven guys. And Morikawa bringing up, say, somewhere in the 9,700 range. I don't think he's quite ready for a 10K. But given that, are you inclined to, you know, notwithstanding ownership, uh, are you inclined to go with one of these guys knowing that pricing between the, the top four, at least, is going to be super tight? Are you going to fade the four and look to Hatton and Simpson? Or are you do you have a lean on one of the top four where – you're going to say, I, I like the price. Probably lean towards Justin Thomas uh, right now. Uh, if I had to, if I had to, to take one just off the top of my head, I mean, I just, you know, Xander is, is playing great. Um, I just don't know how much more you can ask for or do, you know, from his situation. Now he's priced right at the top, basically is the most expensive player. I think Thomas has, has some room for improvement. He, he showed obviously he wasn't that far off and not know what was going on with Rory's game. Uh, he just can't put it together for four rounds in a no-cut event, obviously, if his focus isn't 100% there. That's not good. So uh, I definitely like uh, liking Justin Th- the way Justin Thomas is looking right now. That's probably where I would go. I don't know what to do with Hatton and Simpson. I think if you are going to fade those top guys, you know, just, just putting your, your kind of, you know, shoving in on one of those makes sense. Uh, you should get low ownership, especially on Hatton over 10K. I can't see people even after two good starts being like super pumped to go there. So, um, but I don't, doesn't necessarily, I mean, I don't like it. I kind of like Ty Hatton this week and um, you know, maybe uh, I, I can see starting with him maybe being the play. Although I think that, well, I, I just like, kind of like Ty Hatton paying up for him again. If he's going to be over 10 K, I think that'll keep ownership down. For sure. I totally agree. So uh, again, like I said, for some reason it is the first time in, before that I can remember that we don't have prices, especially for a yeah, in a while. Coming in. So instead we're going to, um, I'm going to ask you a couple of guys uh, that I might be interested in. And I want you to tell me the price at which you'd be happy paying for them. Okay. Uh, then what you think they're going to be, what you'd be happy paying for them. So first one I want to talk about the chat just mentioned a little while ago, he sits at 40 to one odds. He shot 75 on day one and then bounced back and finished just outside of the top 10. It's Victor Hovland. Yeah, Hovland uh, definitely liking this week. So, um, you know, looking – where are we here? I, I mean, I, I would be okay paying, like, high eights for Hovland. Okay. That's where I would be okay paying. I don't think he's going to come in that high, though. So, um, so do you think it becomes an ownership thing? Like, if he comes in at 8,300 this week and looks to be chalk, 
is that going to be too little? Like, uh, I'm okay, judging by where I had my prices earlier. 9100 for me and Victor Hovland this week. Seems like a sweet spot of 10% ownership and probably some pretty good upside. Yeah, I don't mind paying up if, if he's up there. I really don't. I, I really like him. I'll probably even eat the chalk with him if he uh, if I have to and, and just find uh, some swerves of elsewhere. That, that ball striking that we saw over the summer when he was just kind of a lead every week, it looks like it's back. Um, definitely like that. So I'm, I'm absolutely fine uh, if he comes in at 9K. I don't – if I – again, I think he'll be less, but um, I'd be absolutely – I'd actually almost be happier if he's higher priced, to be honest. Yeah, um, I had a question from chat as uh, I'm trying to just give a, a little maybe extra 60 seconds here to see if salaries will drop just so we can see how close we were. But um, the key stats to look into for this weekend, as we talked about at Sherwood a little bit, um, we think that there will be a little bit of premium on hitting uh, the fairway, but that's just because of the shortness of the course. In reality, these no-cut events, it's really whoever gets hot with their putter and hits the most greens. Last week, we saw Jason Kokrak lead the field in greens in regulation and lead the field in strokes game putting. He also had a good approach week where I think he gained over five strokes uh, on the approach. So it's not like he was bad, but if I had to iron out two stats, it would be somebody that can get hot with their putter and somebody that's hitting a lot of greens right now. That's what it takes to win these no cuts. Absolutely. Um, I, I think you're going to see something, like I said off the top, I think you're going to see something similar this course we saw last week. And it really was just, um, you know, you didn't have to be like, the best, best ball striker, but you had to be hitting greens, you know, not give yourself like a ton, like around the green was actually pretty tough last week. So if you were just hitting the greens and, um, and just me you know, making your leg putts and stuff like that and doing bogey avoidance, avoidance through that, you were fine. You just had to sink your putts. That's what Kokrak did. That's kind of actually where, how Henley got through too. Um, so, you know, it, hitting greens and, uh, and, and just making putts. It, it's, it sounds simple. The recipe for success. I think it's, you know, it's, you know, the, I don't want to say easy par 72s, but slightly easier than we see at say like Memorial or anything. Um, I think that's pretty much what it's going to be again. Okay. Uh, a couple more and then we'll end it here. I guess they really probably are waiting for Dustin Johnson here. Yeah, which, I think they are. Honestly, it just makes sense because he's going to be the first or second highest priced golfer. So uh, yeah. honestly, I, I think it makes sense. I'm okay with waiting. So what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to look into the value section here and I'm going to say, I'm going to give you uh, two or three names and you just tell me the price and hope they are. Uh, Sebastian Munoz, it seems like both you and I are agreement on 90 to one. Where do you think we get him priced this week? He was at flat 7K last week. Yeah, flat 7K. I, I mean, he'll go up a bit, um, you know, a little bit weaker field. Uh, I'll say 76. 76, and that's okay with price for you. You're, you're willing to go in at 76 for Munoz. What's the highest you would oh, you would put Munoz in your lineup this week, Mark? Mm, probably like... Eight? Probably, yeah, 80 or 8-1, I was going to say, because at that point, you, you can still, you know, you should get a little bit lower ownership. If he's, like, projecting as chalk at 8-1, that, that might be a different story, but uh, if, he, if he's, you know, not super high owned at that price, I'd be fine. Okay, um, Cameron Champ... Uh, 6,400 last week, pretty highly owned though, 13 or 14% in the $800. So it led to a higher ownership, of course, in the GPPs. You think he gets above seven this week? And is he still in play above seven? Yeah, I think I think if he's low sevens, he's super in play. Um, okay. you just, I mean, look, he, he just improves like a little bit. Um, and again, we do have an extra par five here. So um, yeah, I, I'd, be, I'd be okay paying like uh, low sevens. Assuming again, if he was low sevens and he's like twenty five percent owned, that might be a different story. But I don't think that would be the case if he got into the, the high sevens. I think people will still be like, "Oh well, he didn't finish very well. He's not playing well." And I think there's enough people who just you know think like that and don't worry about the scoring aspect of it. That it should keep ownership at least relatively same. If his if his ownership comes in fifteen percent, uh, I'd pay up to to like seven one from. So if we're doing only raw scoring, um, if that's what we're relying on this next guy for this week, what's the most we're paying for speed? Yeah, speed is interesting too. I think right at the price he was last week, 7,300, I think is a sweet spot for him. I think yeah. if, if we get him in 50th instead of 38, we'll maybe just pay off the salary based yeah. on his points. And I think that 7,300 is a really good value. If he goes up to 7,800, I think, again, we might be paying a little bit too much for him. Yeah, it's it's riskier. I was about to put out the 75, 7,600 threshold too. If yep. he gets over that, uh, you're taking a bigger risk that you really need him to kind of get inside that top, you know, 28 or something like that. So 
um, which, uh, you know, who knows at this point. Um, at the same time, I mean, look, it's not like we need that big a jump from him, um, uh, you know, week to week here. We're just asking for like 20 spots. and, and Remove the doubles and, and he does it. Yeah, so, so I, I think Spieth will be a better ownership play than, than Champ. I, I don't think Spieth will garner as much ownership. So um, in the single entries and, and stuff like yeah. that. So. All right. Any other golfers off the top of your head that you would say, okay, here's what I want you to look at. If he's under this price, you got to keep an eye out for him. Uh, I would say Paul Casey, probably if you're, if he's like under um, 76, 77, kind of thing. Um, I don't, I, even at that price, I don't think he's going to project a super chalk. So um, I, I, like I said, I just, you know, he's in the field two weeks in a row. Are you really going to see Paul Casey finish like dead last two weeks in a row when he was like T17 at the US Open three weeks ago? I just don't think so. So I'd really watch out for that price. Yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a pretty good call there. And um, again, of course, uh, we don't have salaries out, but I can tell you we will have salaries by tomorrow. So come back and join Ben Raza and Timothy Frank uh, tomorrow afternoon. 2.30 is when they go off. So the last one that I'll give uh, in terms of a, a pick that to keep an eye on if they get below a certain price this weekend. I, I'm going to take uh, – so he's so bad at putting on on Poe event, like you said, Ben Hanan. But if Ben Hanan is below 6,500 this week, I think he turns into a Cameron Champ player like last week. Yeah. 6,700 um, on the spot last week. I think he becomes in like 64, 63. I think he's definitely in play this week at, at that price. Again, uh, keep an eye on that. I don't think he goes that low. Um, but uh, thank you all for coming by and joining us. Uh, again, salary, sorry we didn't have salaries, but we did, I think, uh, the best uh, we could have done with it and gave you what some of our guesses are. And again, I think it really has to do with a unique scenario that we're waiting for Dustin Johnson being one of the better players in the field and having that COVID problem. So, uh on your way out, if you could like and subscribe uh, to our video to make sure we're uh, doing it all right for you guys and you like the information, of course, that we're giving, be a great help. So until next time, everybody, like I said, join Timothy Frank and Ben Raza tomorrow at 2.30 for more of a PGA DFS breakdown and, of course, some salary talk. So until next time, everybody, we thank you all for joining, and we'll see you on the other side. Cheers.